Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. How's everybody doing? This is just, this, this doesn't work. This is just too much fun. That's all this is. This is too much fun. But we're going to keep talking about the seven rhythms of the Christian life. We're going to talk about the rhythm of praying for others. I need to say a couple things about New Hope Foursquare Church um, and your pastor and his wife. And uh, before we dig into that message, just quickly, um, I, I am fruit off of the branch of New Hope Foursquare Church. And uh, when, I, when I, uh, I had visited um, a church that will remain nameless here in the wonderful city of Salem, uh, while being uh, a sophomore my first year, transfer year, into Western Baptist College. And actually the coach, uh, Tim Hills, and his lovely wife, Joanna Hills, are here with us today. Can you wave? Can you wave? And uh, God bless you guys. Um, wouldn't have been blessed to come to the city and go to school if, if Tim wouldn't had called me and asked me to be on his basketball team, which was a life-changing experience. And that's a whole other sermon for another Sunday. And I uh, love you guys very, very much. And, uh, <clears throat> but here at New Hope, uh, Terry Rizzer was the lead pastor at the time, and then his, um, his dad, Paul, became the president of Foursquare, so Terry was asked to go down to Florence Avenue, Foursquare Church, and uh, take over for his dad's leadership. Uh, Jim Holm became the lead pastor here at that time, and so I was blessed to be under Pastor Terry and, and his wife and, and Jim, and uh, this guy named Tom Fox, Tom and Pam Fox, you guys might know them, um, and uh, uh, Chuck Malley was the youth pastor, and we'd just been blessed by the leadership here over the years. But I want you to know, I had visited this one church here in town. I had fallen asleep during the sermon. Um, that has not happened in my entire Christian walk, except for that time. I went back to campus to grab lunch. Matt Unruh, a good friend of mine, also on the basketball team, said, hey, how was church, man? I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. I fell asleep during the sermon, man. He goes, get out of here, man. You're coming with me to New Hope next Sunday. And I did, and I never left. Right. Well, until I got married and took a church, by the way. But, uh, uh, but quickly, it was the, there was a sense of God's presence when I, when I came in this building and sang and worshiped. There was practical teaching, and there was love. There was tangible love. And I remember Tom and Pam Fox being so friendly. I remember thinking, for several months... Can people really be that nice? And as a young college kid who was new to the faith and new to this city and new to a school, I needed a church family. And so God bless you. That is part of the DNA of this church, has been, is, and will continue to be. And so don't ever underestimate how your kindness and your love to those who come through the doors, okay? Powerful. So uh, while attending Corbin, and uh, playing basketball, I met my lovely wife, Jenny, and I got to brag on her for a little bit. We, uh, um, I, I, you know, I won't sing for you, but you've heard the song Earth Angel. I think I've met, uh, Jenny is my earth angel, and we actually were, we were married right here at this spot. Um, uh, took communion on our knees over there, and Chuck Malley did our, did our, uh, our ceremony. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, we were called to pastor at a church called Eastside Foursquare Church up in Bothell, Washington, Northeast Seattle, where we served for um, almost just short of 17 years. 
uh, five and a half in the lead role capacity. We, we raised and had three of our kids there, uh, Michaela, Hannah, and Eli, um, who we love, love very much. Proud of all of them. They all love the Lord. Michaela will be 16 in October. Hannah just turned 14. I can't believe I have teenage girls and more than one of them, um, but they are lovely and they are wonderful. And our son, Eli, little Dennis the Menace, Curious George is eight and we have our hands full with that little boy. He's going to be a world changer, man. I tell you, it's in his bones and in his blood. Uh, um, after uh, serving the lead role at Eastside for five and a half years, um, I felt called to step down and God wanted to teach me how to die so that I could learn how to really live. A few, few months later, Gabe Barrero, who is um, our, Isaac in, in mind, our boss, um, invited me to take Sunnyside Foursquare in Happy Valley, Oregon, and my wife and I felt like we were called to do that. But in between living in Seattle still and our house being filled with boxes and coming um, up and down to preach in Happy Valley, Oregon on Sundays, meet with the staff and go back to Seattle, I became really um, good friends with, with Interstate 5. And, um, and actually, that was a very healing time for me. Uh, you know, a lot of yelling at God, a lot of praying, a lot of singing, a lot of, a lot of crying, a lot of stuff happened, a lot of healing happened in my life just, just on the good old I-5 going north and southbound. You know, try it sometime, you know. And uh, <laughs> you're either going to get bitter or you're going to get better. The choice is up to you, you know, when you hit Olympia and Tacoma and Renton, you know, and so, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but my wife and I, we were, we were coming down for a, a pastor-spouse retreat, and um, we were still living in Seattle. We, were, we hit uh, I-84. We were heading eastbound towards Stevenson to go to a pastors and spouse retreat. This is really important. This ties into, into the actual message. And I realized my wife was about, we were about to walk away from everyone we knew. All of our friends, our church family, the school families, we were, about to, we were about to walk away from everything we knew. And I realized my wife was going to be really lonely. And I whispered a prayer going to this retreat. And I said, Lord, would you give my wife a friend while we're here? And later that night at dinner, um, at, at, the, at the place there, the retreat center, um, we ran into Isaac, who my wife and I had met Isaac, but we, we, were not, we, not, we had not met Donya at this time. And we met Danya. We both just thought the world of her, and, and Danya and Jenny just hit it off, and have been have been great friends since then. So God heard my cry and answered my prayer. Now, quickly, I want to speak about uh, uh, pastors Isaac and Danya. Um, you know how 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 blessed you are. I sure hope um, the, the the leadership they bring and. And uh, um, Isaac is a man after God's own heart. And, and Donya, I refer to you as a spitfire at the 9 a.m. And, um, and, uh, and uh, boy, if, if Isaac won't get it done, his, his wife sure will, okay? <laughs> now, now, the beautiful thing is God's sense of humor. Together, they are dynamic. And if you ever need your, your, your garage organized, just, just, just text Donya, have her come over, and just offer a Starbucks card, and she will organize your life. Um, it, is, it is really a gift of administration. Um, no, but on a serious note, they are, they are wonderful people, wonderful pastors. They become close friends. Um, this feels like family because of your leadership. Um, what I want to say is, before I hit the message, on the way down here, I asked the Lord, do you want to say anything about their leadership into the church? As a guest, I, I can say things that maybe they can't say. Um, and I felt um, impressed to say, 
to New Hope Foursquare, you are stronger than you think. Um, as you have drawn near to Jesus in your weakness, you are stronger than you think. It's in our weakness that the strength and power of Christ is perfected. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 9 through 10. Um, also, this is a season of new birth. God is doing something new in this church family. And so if you needed someone to tell you that, um, it's happening and you can participate in it or not. Um, one of the best things you could do is let, let pastors, Isaac and Don, you know, hey, we, we, are, we are here, we are in. How can we serve the vision God has given you? I'll tell you, as a pastor, those conversations are few and far between and they need to happen a lot more often, especially when you're under the care of a good shepherd and shepherds. Also, um, this is a season of the miraculous and the picture I had was that um, not a lot of pastors talk about God and maybe don't know him all that well. Uh, Isaac and Donya know Jesus really well. And because of that, that pressing in and that quiet time, God has given them keys to the kingdom. And I saw treasure chests, if you will, spiritually, that they'd give, be given keys that are unlocking. And not, not prosperity, not wealth, but things of the Holy Spirit, things of the word, the promises of God. And it is just the beginning. So I felt moved to say that. I, I say it with sincerity and certainly with a lot of humility, but blessed to be here. So I want to continue uh, the message on prayer that, that Pastor Isaac started yes, uh, last Sunday, excuse me. And uh, I'm going to use the term talking to Jesus because I think sometimes we can mystify and make prayer kind of mysterious when really it's just a conversation with God. And that's part of my training under, under uh, Pastors Jerry Cook and, and uh, Jim Hayford Sr. And uh, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and we're going to look at how prayer and talking to Jesus not only changes us, but it changes others, and it changes the atmosphere. Okay? So please turn with me in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. And I'll be honest, it kind of bothered me. I was prompted to the scripture because I feel like sometimes it's over-preached, and I feel like sometimes we're like, oh yeah, I know that verse. You know, I memorized it in Awana 20 years ago when I was a kid, you know. And, and I'm all about not what we know, but what we apply to our life. And I think that's what Jesus wants, is us to apply his word to our life, that it, we'd be fruitful. And I, and I think Pastor Isaac mentioned this, but there is a little handout in your bulletin with some notes, with some fill in the blanks, and please follow along, okay? Philippians 4, 4 through 7. The Apostle Paul wrote... Um, from Philippi in a prison cell uh, would have been cold, dark, painful, lonely, and it probably would have stunk. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Someone say anything. <laughs> but in every situation, someone say every. every. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all, someone say all, all, understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say, let it be so or amen to the word. I um, mean, you can too if you'd like. So again, my main point is to talk to Jesus because when we do, he changes us, he changes others, he changes the atmosphere. Let's look at first talking with Jesus and how it changes us, okay? That's not all right? 
So while attending Corbin University, formerly Western Baptist, I liked Western Baptist, but um, no one called me and asked me what I thought about the new name change, and that's okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm here to unify and build up, and, and so we'll go with Corbin, uh, which means offering, which is a good meaning. So, but I like WB. Um, I, rem- I remember seeing a real need for guys uh, to get free from sexual sin and pornography and a real need for um, the Holy Spirit to move in the lives of people while I was at the school. Um, I had only been a Christian for a couple of years, so I came, I came here to Salem, to Corbin, to the basketball program um, as a new believer um, who had recently um, had accountability about, uh, about sexual sin and pornography, and I was getting free and I was excited about Jesus. I didn't know a lot, but I knew a lot. There, there's knowing and there's knowing. And Christ had captured my heart and he had changed my life. And I was serious about my faith. And so I had a lot of people that liked me and some people that didn't like me, they just stayed away from me and that's okay, I still love them. So these conversations with some guys about, hey, are you, are you struggling with some stuff? It, it started with a couple guys and turned into 15, turned into 30. Next thing I know, there was um, like 100 guys in the cafeteria singing songs, confessing sin, um, getting accountable, and taking communion. And God was doing something, despite, um, despite those of us that were somewhat part of that in some way. And we recognized... Um, Three friends and myself, and I have a picture of them up here. Uh, we weren't the four horsemen. We weren't the four pillars of Corbin. Uh, we, were just, we were just four guys that really had a heart for our campus. Um, we really felt like God wanted to do something significant. And um, we probably recognized that it was better for us, rather than trying to go and do something, just, just to pray. And so we started to pray every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And we, we were busy um, I was a resident assistant. I was, I was, I was, in a sense, basketball was my job. I was a youth leader here. Um, I was trying to keep my GPA up. I was busy. And you've heard, you've heard it, but the more busy you are, the more you need to... That was a real quiet response. <laughs> the busier you are, the more you need to... Oh, yeah, there you go, church. There you go, you got it. And so we realized if we want to see God move, it isn't going to happen through us. It's going to happen through God as we pray. So we begin to pray, and guess what? Guess who was probably the most prayer illiterate of the four of us? It was me. And actually, uh, two of the guys, Matt Unruh, tall, skinny, white guy, Sahan, the mixed brother, uh, they were on the basketball team with me. Micah, the nice-looking businessman, um, is a businessman, and he was on the baseball team. So a little bit of context about those guys. But as we begin to pray, I didn't know what we were doing. So we would get on our knees or go prostrate on the ground. I thought, man, Matt needs to vacuum his floor. <laughs> Not to men- mention his dad worked for Keebler, who, that also owned Hostess, and so Matt would have like boxes, I mean like cases of cupcakes and Twinkies and ding-dongs, and it was like, Hallelujah, you know, let's have a prayer meeting, you know? <laughs> you know, pass the cupcakes, pass the Twinkies, praise the Lord. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm 19 and I'm, I'm playing basketball every day. And I, you know, I'm, I'm good, I'm a little bit, little, little bit thicker now, but I'm like, hey, you know, we got time for ding-dongs, we can make this work. So we, re- we recognized we had to wait to have the ding-dongs and cupcakes after prayer because it became a distraction. <laughs> 
You know, um, prayer is one of those things like riding a bike. How do you learn how to pray? You, you just start doing it. And if you don't know how to do it, you humble yourself and you ask your spouse or a pastor or uh, someone at your alpha table, hey, how do you pray? And you start doing it with them. And all of a sudden, you learn how to do it. Now, I didn't know if our prayers were really changing anything, but they were certainly changing us. And I remember going into those prayer meetings thinking, I don't have time for this. I am tired. I got homework. I haven't even had a shower because I had practice and had to run to dinner before they closed the cafeteria. I stink, man. Like, I don't have time for this. But I always left prayer feeling at peace. You see, prayer is awkward because we are relinquishing control. I'm a control freak. I'm a, I have a, I'm OCD. I'm obsessive compulsive disorder. I, I mean, I just want things my way. Anybody else in here? Are you willing to admit that? Some of you are arguing with your spouse in the car right here because you want to have things your way. And it's not who's right that wins. It's who's gracious. Who's more gracious? Because God is gracious. Now, so brother, get used to it. Sister, get used to it. Trust me, you're not so great that you need to be in control. You ain't all that. Somehow, some way, we've been deceived to think that we're something and we're nothing. We are dust that God happened to breathe life into. That's it. Trust God because he's much greater than you and me. Until we allow the Holy Spirit to shape our lives in prayer, we won't really be convinced that prayer really makes a difference for other people. Without that church, the church lacks her power and her authority. I remember, and Brett and the team, this was an awesome set today. I mean, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I didn't say that at the nine. This was an awesome set today. And I remember when Sharon, there was a gal named Sharon who had a piano. And sometimes it was just, I think it was Sharon. It was just Sharon on the piano. I remember thinking, that woman's like an angel. I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe uh, the beauty of her heart and her soul, that you just couldn't help but be drawn in. And I love the band. I love them both. But sometimes it's, it's the simplicity, it's the basics that make the church powerful. It's the disciplines. It's when no one else is looking or watching. Isaac and Donya aren't around to impress, nor are their staff. Just the Holy Spirit. Maybe you hear and you say, you know what, DJ, I don't know how to pray. One of the things I love to do, I love to talk about this acronym called ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Adoration is God. You're awesome. Kind of like, like, you know, I I don't know about you. I don't have time to sit around and watch a lot of football. I like football. I just don't have the time. I got kids. I got a church. I got a wife. I got got a lawn. You know, I got a puppy. (laughs) We had this brilliant idea to get a puppy. Uh, I don't have a picture of her, but she's beautiful, a golden doodle, and she's just, she's heavenly, but she is a handful. (laughs) What were we thinking? I mean, just... Quickly, the other day, I had, I had like the worst day I've had in a long time. I felt like I was really like attacked. 
and everyone's in bed, and I, I, I had some pistachios, and the kind you crack, and I had some Snapple, and I was gonna just go in my favorite chair and watch a little dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. Just, 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 like 15, 15 minutes of bum-bum-bum, bum-bum-bum, maybe hit the top 10, Sports Center, anyone? And, I, and I'm, I'm backpedaling towards this chair, about to swing the hip, and I step barefoot into a puddle of urine. I'll tell you, without the Holy Spirit, I would have just snapped. I mean, I just would have like, just, just like meltdown. I mean, just like boiled over anger. Just, ah, you know, just, you know. Um. What does that story have to do with adoration? I have no idea. Um. Yeah, adoration is you're great. You're great. You're great. Confession is, oh God, I'm not so great. I'm struggling. Forgive me. And then we move into Thanksgiving. God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your grace. Um, some of you might think that like Isaac and Donya and I, that we, and my, my wife, that we kind of like, we don't walk on, on the floor. We kind of have like, we kind of float. We are 100% human. Insecurities, fears, everything. We, we're human. We're called, we're graced, we're anointed, but we're human. So we confess we need God's help. We need strength, provision. Then it moves into supplication. Supplication is when we start to ask requests. Here's the problem with, with the Christians today, including me. We hop into prayer. We jump into supplication, asking for requests. And it's all about us because we haven't taken time to give adoration to God, to confess our brokenness, and to give him thanks. Move your supplication back into adoration, confession, thanksgiving. It will transform your life and your prayer life. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here was the point. I thought Sports Center pistachios and peach-flavored Snapple was going to give me peace. It didn't. Jesus gives us peace. And I still had to go wipe that urine off the floor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Next, talking with Jesus changes others. Talking with Jesus changes us. Talking with Jesus changes others. One of our neighbors back in Bothell, Washington, I loved his name was Mike. And I, I'll say his first name because you'll probably never meet him until um, heaven. And he actually wouldn't care. Um, he, wrote a, he wrote a Harley Davidson. He was very handy. His garage was always open. But he was very clear. Don't talk to me about religion. Don't talk to me about politics. Let's just talk motorcycles, you know. And uh, uh, an amazing guy. And so something, something we did, and actually I can't remember if I got it out of a book or a seminar. I don't know, but it wasn't my idea. It wasn't original. We, we drew up a neighborhood map. And maybe you have this issue because our neighbors, um, we didn't see all of them every day to have that repetition, kind of like why you guys have name tags. Not everyone is here every single Sunday, so you don't get the repetition of, oh, that's Sally. Oh, that's Sally. It's like, oh, that's Sally. And then three weeks later, oh, that's Sally. Thanks for wearing the name tag, Sally. You know what I'm saying? So, so we got to know our neighbors' names, and we wrote it on the map so we would, we would know their name, and we could pray for them by name. 
even if we hadn't seen them all winter long when it rained and rained and rained and rained and the rain is not as bad in Portland as it is Seattle. I just want to praise the Lord, take a moment and praise the Lord for that. I can't speak for Salem, but, uh, but we have moved away from the, from the rainy city into the Happy Valley, by the way. So we begin to pray for, for Mike by name. Something our family did, does and did every Christmas was we would bake cookies. Now, there's only one perfect cookie, okay? Chocolate chip cookies, no shavings of coconut, no, no nuts, none of that, no raisins, Fruit. not oatmeal, come on, you know? And we'd bake these perfect cookies. They were straight from heaven like manna, you know? And we would, we would tape a Christmas Eve invite, and we, we'd go around every year. And we'd wish our neighbors Merry Christmas, and we'd invite them to a Christmas Eve service, knowing that it would be powerful. So Mike wasn't home, and we set it on his doorstep. Christmas Eve comes and goes, Christmas comes and goes. About a week later, we are coming back from vacation. I have a typed letter from Mike in our mailbox, explaining how much he loved the Christmas Eve service and how much he loved having the children involved. But that was very interesting. It just, he said it brought him to tears. I check in with him, a few months pass, New Year hits, we're busy, right? This is my neighbor, we're busy, it's raining, busy. My son and I are playing soccer like in March, on the street, cul-de-sac, really friendly neighborhood. Mike walks by and he says something and uh, I couldn't understand what he said, but he said, just, we're just loving that four square, man, we're loving that four square. I'm like, Mike, what, what, did, you, what did you say? Oh, we're just lo- we're loving that four square. I said, Mike, are you still coming to my church? He said, we haven't missed a Sunday since Christmas Eve. Um, I was totally floored by that. Now, I'd love to sit here and say, we, we prayed for Mike every day, prayed for hours, we fasted. We didn't. We did pray. We did invite. And that's really all the Holy Spirit needed us to do. See, sometimes we believe the lie, we're deceived, it thinks we gotta do this or do that, or we, we gotta convert people, we gotta do this, we gotta, you just gotta play your part. You just gotta play the part the Holy Spirit's leading you to play, and God will, God will make up the difference. That's the beautiful thing. So the non-religious man became more faithful to hearing my sermons than my own pastoral staff who were paid pretty good salary and benefits to be there. I think God was moving. A little bit of prayer, perfect cookies, Holy Ghost, baby. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. We're going, starting tomorrow, my wife and I, we're doing this 30 days of veggies and fruit and protein, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, oh, what about my sugar? What about, what about, my, what about my, my gluten? What about my white mocha, my iced Americanos? I mean, you guys pray for me, seriously, the next 30 days, that God would speak to me, he would deliver me, he would free me, rescue me. Pray for others, pray for me, please. Starting tomorrow, put on your calendar, the month of October. I think Halloween, I'm going to have some candy because it'll be 30 days, will be up. And, and we'll be good on Halloween. And uh, so if we are known for anything as Christians, it should be our love and our prayerfulness. Not our criticism and being judgmental. If, if Mike and his wife would have picked up a hint of that, it would have been game over. I mean, there would have been... 
thanks for the cookies. We don't want the invite. We're not, we're not interested in your Jesus. We're not interested in your Christmas Eve. We're not interested in whatever you're doing in those four walls of that church. We're not, we're not interested. But the love and the prayers, every heart is a little prayer hungry, a little prayer thirsty. Every heart, a little bit of love, a little bit of prayer goes a long, long, long way. You think about the fact that why does God allow us close to people and to, to know their dirt, know their hurt? Does he do it so that we could gossip about it with our friends and our wife when we get home or our husband when we get home? God lets us get close to people and to see the dirt so we could pray that heavenly rain one day could come and wash it all away and that they could be born again like you and like me. If you got a gossip problem, if you got a gossip problem, you got a major problem. And God needs to do some surgery on your heart. And I would say, if you have a gossip problem, it needs to turn into a prayer problem. Let the gossip problem turn into a God-sized prayer problem, and God will do some surgery in your heart, and you'll start seeing your prayers answered, and your faith will really come alive. Your gossip becomes like poison for your own soul. When you think of your boss, you think of your pastor, you think of your leaders, you think of your president, whether you hate him or not, pray for him. Pray for your leaders. Pray that God will give them wisdom. Pray. If they do well, we do well. They don't, we don't. Pray. Don't backbite. And if you got to, staple your own tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Um, in your little handout there, there's a prayer list. Forgive me, I missed one thing here. Oswald Chambers in his Utmost for His Highest, pretty deep book, a lot of depth. One thing he says that really hit me years ago, God gives us discernment not for us to judge, but for, uh, but for us to intercede. Yikes. That is convicting if we are honest. So a little prayer list there for you to write down some names of some people that you know that need Jesus Christ in their life. I, cha I challenge you. Do you know five people, neighbors, family, friends, work, that need Christ? What happens if you started praying for them and loving on them? What would happen? You know, I want to brag on my wife. My wife is a CrossFit coach, and she is a beast. She is a beauty and a beast. She's a, she's a beautiful beast. She is tough. She could take me out if she wanted to, but she's a certified CrossFit coach, and we are seeing, because of her witness and her example and the prayers that we're praying, we are seeing many people from her CrossFit gym that where she coaches, she isn't, we don't own it, coming to our church and coming to faith. It is so exciting. And the more it happens, the more emboldened we are, we become more courageous to want to invite more people. Isn't that amazing? You see God touch one life, you're like, wow, if God can do that, he can, he can change them. God can change him, he can change him. God can change me, he can change you. God can change you, he can change me. Powerful. I challenge you, write down some names of some folks who need to know Christ, begin to pray for their salvation. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever, someone say whatever, you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it.
if we're honest, sometimes, many times, we hear a no to our prayers because our prayers are not aligned with the name, mission, and will of Jesus. Let's begin to sift us out and sift the spirit in and begin to see that whatever we ask in the name of Jesus happened for his glory and to expand his kingdom. Come on, somebody. My wife calls me a ninja prayer warrior. And you want to know why? Yeah. Isaac wants to know why. Anyone else want to know why? Yeah. So you know how sometimes, I don't know about you, but with social media, it feels like life's just coming at us like at light speed. Stuff's just coming at us. Um, it, when there's a devastation or a death or a school shooting or an earthquake, we know it. And everyone around the world knows it like that. And so there's this, there's this added concern and this added anxiety and added fear. So what happens if we begin to be ninja prayer warriors? What do I mean by that? We stop and pray about it right now. Rather than talk about it, rather than text about it, rather than you know, just turning off the TV to hear more, we stop. Maybe you're driving. And so sometimes I will interrupt my wife in love <laughs> while we're driving to say a prayer rather than us just talking about it. And I'm not trying to be preachy or just quote scripture. I'm trying, we want to get God involved. And so our family started a habit that every now and then we'll just, we will just pray about whatever that person or that need right now rather than waiting for our small group Bible study three days later and then we forget because we're talking about too much stuff and not praying enough. Ninja prayer. Look out, man. <laughs> don't make me do no roundhouse up in this place. Don't make me do that. You don't want to see that. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Remember my buddy, my buddy uh, Mike, my old neighbor? So I started a Bible study for guys that weren't willing to go, to go to my church in Bothell, but they were willing to go to Five Guys, Burgers and Fries, to do what? To eat, talk about Jesus and family, and to pray a little bit. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like church happening at Five Guys. Five of the six guys said yes. We show up. Mike, who is... He did not know the word that well, but he had been reading through the book of Acts and he, he was just so fired up about the word of God. He actually brought the message just, just coincidentally because, because he had been spending time in the Lord. So this guy didn't know the Bible that well at all, was adamant against religion and politics, was leading this men's group at Five Guys Burgers and Fries. It was amazing. And I stood there and I thought, God, you are awesome. Now, of course, I was dipping my fries in the, the ranch sauce. And, and you know, just, as he was going, I said, Mike, Mike, you just keep going, man. I'm going to enjoy these fries in this ranch sauce. But, I mean, you just go. God can take the hard-hearty, hard-hearted, Harley-driving, engine-fixing, cold-hearted guy in your neighborhood and turn him into a Bible study leader. That's why we pray for others. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, certainly with the people in our lives. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. My, my last point here, and I've had almost too much fun, so I don't have much time left, so don't worry. We will begin the descent soon, so please remain in your seats and fasten your safety belts and no more trips to the restroom. Or, or the cafe. I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah. Maybe I'm not joking. <laughs> so talking with Jesus changes the atmosphere. I'm going to hit this quick. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How can we do that? How could Paul do that while being a chained prisoner in a pit? It's because the Lord is near. The presence of God changes everything. Um, these next, next examples of prayer changing the atmosphere, they are stories that if you don't know, I would encourage you to, the scriptures are in your notes. Read them tonight. It will build your faith. It will, it will change how you pray. It'll change how you view God. But quickly, in Exodus 3, we see the account of God calling Moses in a burning bush to go and to set his people free because their cries and their prayers had come up to God and God had had enough and he intervened supernaturally. Reached out his mighty hand, he spiked the Pharaoh and he delivered his people from Egypt into the wilderness and towards the promised land. Parting the Red Sea, feeding them from heaven, water from the rock, it's like, what is this? It is a supernatural God who loves his people and had heard their cries and he had enough. We see in Judges 13 through 16, you don't hear this a lot taught about, uh, maybe you have here with Isaac, but the mighty Samson, the judge of Israel, he had broken a vow that he had made, he had made a vow to God that he would never cut his hair. It was a secret to his, it was a secret to his supernatural strength. But Delilah, beware of Delilah. Beware of the power of lust. It will strip you of your spiritual strength. She deceived him. She cut his hair. He was chained up. They cut out his eyes and he was mocked. He was brought in literally for the Philistines to be entertained until by God's grace, his hair began to grow back. And he prayed this prayer. In Judges 16, 28, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And a little boy guided his hands to the pillars. God answered his prayer, gave him strength. And in his death, Samson took out more Philistines than he did in his life. The atmosphere was changed through a prayer. 1 Kings 18 I'm going to skip that one. Read about Elijah and the showdown he had with the prophets of Baal and the God who answered by fire was and is the Lord. And the Lord answered by fire. I thought, man, I'll say this on the side note. There was so much wickedness happening through King Ahab and his wife Jezebel that, that Elijah had enough and said, he said, there won't be rain in this land unless I pronounce it. 
because the wickedness needs to be dried up. And then God answered him by fire. Elijah went and he prayed, 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 prayed. The clouds came and rain came. But God had to cleanse the land first. In John 19.30, while Jesus was hanging on the cross and breathing his last breath, he said, it is finished. And Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus paid the full penalty for your sin and for mine and for the sin of the world. He completed that work. He said it was finished. He gave up the Holy Spirit, committed his hands to God, and with that prayer, the atmosphere, atmosphere was changed forever. The world will never be the same again because of that sacrifice and that laying down of the sinless Son of God. The last example. In Acts 1, we see 120 disciples of Christ waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. And in Acts 2, the Spirit came. It sounded, they're trying to describe the Spirit of God. So they're using words that we understand, but it's, he sounded like a mighty rushing wind and there were tongues of fire that divided up on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak and praise God in different languages. And it was awesome. And that day, the church of Jesus Christ was born in the atmosphere was changed forever. The world would never be the same that the church, when the church was born. Remember earlier I mentioned, you know, I didn't know if, if those prayer times with my buddies and I changed anything, but they certainly changed us. I remember um, our chaplain of our school, who I, who I loved dearly and respected dearly, and submitted to his leadership, but he did not believe that the Holy Spirit was still being given and poured out. And that, that's okay. <clears throat> that was his perspective, and I honored that. Um, he got up one day in chapel, and there had, been, there had now been a girls' group that was praying for God to move on our campus. And we were sitting there, and our chaplain got up in front of the whole student body, and he said, he said, today, today I tell you, the Holy Spirit has touched this campus that what God had done was so, was so undeniable, you couldn't deny it, that it messes with our theology at times. And I think sometimes God snickers at our theology. We limit God. We put him in a box. And yes, whatever we believe needs to be centered on the word. But don't put God in a box. He will step on your box and he'll throw it in a recycling bin. God thinks green. So as the chaplain said these words, those of us that had been praying, we begin to weep like, like babies. We begin to sob and cry because God had heard our cry. Handful of ordinary guys, sinful guys, trying to follow Christ, an ordinary group of girls crying out to God saying, God, would you move on our campus? Would you do something supernatural? Would you, would you do something unique? Would you be glorified? And God changed the atmosphere. Uh, Jesus uses prayer to change us, um, to change others, and to change the atmosphere. Here's what I want to do. 
I'd like to invite everyone to stand. And I know we've covered, uh, we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, you guys have been incredible listeners, and it feels like home. It feels like extended family. Uh, your pastor's my brother from another mother. And I'm grateful for him. But you know, um, as I think of the needs that we had on the campus um, almost 20 years ago, they're not much different than the needs right here in this room. Uh, the need for healing and broken hearts, the need for um, to have victory and peace where there's anxiety and fear, um, the need for freedom we are, where we are bound by vices and addictions, a need for not only the Holy Spirit in our life, but the overflow. Like King David said, Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil, my cup, my cup overflows. I want the overflow. I want it all. How about you? So I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray, if, if you need to respond today, um, I've kind of challenged you a little bit. More importantly, hopefully the word of God's challenged you. I mean, we're going to open up this space down here. Is this a space where people can come and just, just respond and have time with God? And the thing that I was praying when I came, that as I was closing, I asked the Lord, what do you want, what, what do you want him to do? And he, just, he whispered to me that he wants to heal hearts today. And, uh, and you've been listening really well, and now it's our, our chance to come and and talk with God and meet with him. But, but I believe God wants to do something in your life today. And this space isn't sacred unless God tells you to come down here. It's not sacred because I said so or because you guys paid the bill with your tithe. It's sacred because God says to come. And if he says, you better come. So I'm going to pray. And if you're moved to come, if you, you know, for me, one of the ways is my heart kind of starts to race. That's one way God's telling me I need to respond or um, I, want, I want you to come and have a moment with God. And I want, I believe God wants us to devote our hearts to prayer. So let me pray and please respond as the Holy Spirit, not the music, not my voice, but as the Holy Spirit would lead you according to the word of Christ. So Father, I thank you uh, today for the privilege of, of being here with, with brothers and sisters from other mothers and other fathers, but we have the same daddy. And Father, that's you. And Father, I pray today for those who need Christ in their life and need the forgiveness of their sins, that, that they would come and have a moment. Father, I pray for those today whose lives have been filled with anxiety and fear, that they would come and have a conversation with you and that you would bestow on them the peace of God that transcends, it surpasses all understanding. Father, I pray for anyone here today that feels held down or held back, that they would come and find freedom through Christ our Lord. 
I pray for anyone here today, Lord, that, that knows you and loves you, but just feels like they need, they want the fullness, the overflowing filling of the Holy Spirit that came upon the Son of God as he was put in the water, Jordan, and brought out. And there was a voice that said, this is my son who I love, with him I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended upon Christ in the form of a dove. And he was anointed and empowered to fulfill your purpose on his life. I pray today we would respond. Now, I usually do this, and you, you discern if it's the Spirit or if it's me, but now I usually give a second call because many of us, we, we overthink, we analyze, we are paid, we are trained to analyze information. Christ wants us to know him from our heart and yes, our mind. But I wanna give another invitation, not by my strength or my, my will, or the volume of my voice, but if you know you need a touch from God on your heart, a touch from God in your life, if God's calling you to deeper places of prayer, I invite you to come and have a moment with the Lord and with your Heavenly Father. I invite you to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God leads you, you to come, come, and we're going to sing this chorus um, together, and we're going to close here together.